And uh, thank you for the opportunity. If you got your Bibles, open up to Joel chapter 3. Joel chapter 3. As you turn in there, I want to introduce our family. We are, uh, my wife Heather is, is with me today, and we are the Hembry crew. And uh, we have two boys. Uh, Robbie is 15, just turned 15. Scotty's 18, and we are missionaries with Royal Rangers International. Uh, and we are, are privileged to be a part of this ministry. There's actually five of us on this team um, that, that uh, make up Royal Rangers International. And uh, we, we are so privileged. We began this journey six years ago after pastoring and many other uh, avenues, uh, youth pastors and ministry of various types. We began in the nation of Curacao in the Southern Caribbean. I know some of y'all are like, I'll be a missionary if that's where they send me. Hallelujah. That was not our choice. That's where they said you were going, and we just didn't argue. Um, but we were there and, and had the privilege of partnering with the Ranger Ministry there to train 12 new leaders and to really lay a foundation for this ministry to grow throughout the Southern Caribbean. God is moving, and Royal Rangers uh, right now is in uh, 95 nations of the world and growing. 95. A lot of times we go places. say... You, it's, it's, a, it's a whole new understanding. No, this is not just a, a U.S. ministry, but God is reaching and mentoring the next generation worldwide through this ministry. And we had the privilege of serving there in Curacao. And, and now, uh, as Stimulus of God World Missions uh, has said, you, they told us, you know, you completed your tasks there. And, and we serve in a unique capacity uh, within the Assemblies of God World Missions. Royal Rangers International is one of only nine ministries in the Assemblies of God world missions that's not country specific but globally assigned we work worldwide in partnership with our our missionaries and our in our local church ministries and, and we are our specialized ministries to meet a specific need in those countries around the world whether it's a children and youth ministry or bible translation or uh, global university uh, the bible school training there's only nine ministries and we are, get to be a part of that and now we are working worldwide with Royal Rangers International as the programs coordinator and uh, communications. And what that means is we get to help with a curriculum. Yep, that's about the reaction we get. You talk about curriculum, they're like, hey, school. But it's more than that. We get to partner with the national church worldwide to produce uh, life-changing resources. The message of Jesus Christ that is mentoring uh, the next generation worldwide. We get to partner with translation teams that are taking this, this ministry and the resources, whether it's uh, leadership training or uh, life skills and most important Bible uh, studies, lessons teaching them to, to, to follow Jesus Christ for all of, all of their life and partner to, to put these resources in the languages of the world to put them in the hands of the local church, to train local church leaders so they are fully equipped to reach and mentor the next generation for Jesus Christ. It's not just a, a flyer or a paper we're putting together. These are life-changing resources that are, are reaching thousands upon thousands of young people every week with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are so excited to be a part of that, uh, and, and right now we've got nine, um, 12 translation projects that are happening with the Royal Ranger Ministry, including French, uh, Nepali, uh, Sinhalese, 
Um, we even have um, Swahili. Uh, we're about a little over halfway done with Swahili, reaching the, the Swahili-speaking uh, part of the world uh, in, in, Tanz- in uh, Kenya and Tanzania and throughout East Africa. On our table, we have some samples. Uh, you can see uh, our Swahili leadership manual was just completed. Uh, one of our, uh, it's the blue book sitting on the table. We also have Macedonian, our, our leader's manual there. I saw that the other day. It looks, besides the fact that it just looks cool, when you hear places like Macedonia, where God has got some incredible leaders that are reviving this ministry, it's places where Paul went. And God is still moving. We have some of our other samples where you can see, and, and uh, just I, I just sat back amazed at what God is doing through leaders, just like your ranger leaders here around the world. We also have some... Uh, Prayer cards, we'd love for you to take a prayer card. And if you got that fourth slide that's got our, our family picture and stuff on there, uh, that's it. There's our prayer card. Uh, feel free to take one, put it on your nightstand, put it in your Bible, put it on your refrigerator, whatever you look at the most. Uh, and every time you see it, will you pray for our family? Pray for the kids of the world that God would help us to reach this next generation. If you got one of them smarter than you phones, you can scan, take a little picture of that code right there, and that'll take you to a place where you can sign up for our newsletter. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, and things that do everything but make a phone call. Um, and and uh, sign up for our newsletter or you know, connect with our social media. It's a way to connect. We'd love to have you praying with us and following with us on this journey uh, because God is doing great things. Amen? Amen. Well, um, I want to share with you briefly this morning. Again, stop by the table. We'd love to talk with you. Uh, we do have, um, I do have a, it's Royal Rangers. You've got to have like skins and stuff, right? You know, so we, we brought a hide this time for our table. And everywhere we go, there's, oh, some of y'all, oh, listen, you eat hamburgers. Um, we just kept all the parts. But what's back there? Some folks say, what, what kind is it? You know what? It's very special. We, we you know, when you, missionaries, you never know. You know, what's the best connection point? And, and since we, we travel a lot of places, we go, uh, I was just in Malawi a few weeks ago, the first student leadership camp for the continent of Africa. It was incredible. A hundred participants, God moving, baptized in the Holy Spirit, young people uh, being healed throughout the camp, young people being trained to be leaders in their outposts. Incredible stuff. Uh, and, and But we go, we travel, you know, at this ministry is in 95 nations. And I try to find a connecting theme that, that, you know, would help our table. We've got the curriculum and stuff. And so I found the most frequent meat that we eat, and I got that hide. So if you've never petted a goat uh, that is out there on the table, and if you've ever wondered, they do taste about like they smell. Um, but it's pretty good. Anyhow... <laughs> Missions is fun. I love it. It's rangers. It's Listen, I've eaten a whole lot worse at a ranger camp out than I have eaten anywhere else in the world. I'm just saying. It's just reality. Joel chapter 3. Joel chapter 3. And when we look at Royal Rangers, it's an incredible ministry here in the States. It started in 1962 as we celebrate our 60th year. Royal Rangers International is a little different in that it is in most, about 90% of the world, a co-ed ministry. It's, and I said, oh, Lord, have mercy, how we do, no, hold, hear me out. We are gender specific within the co-ed environment. 
Around the world, there's girls' ministries has not found the footing that Royal Rangers has. Matter of fact, Royal Rangers is the very first children's or youth ministry in much of the world. And so God has opened a door that we can come in and, and with our leadership training resources, with our curriculum resources, we have a complete package that we can begin to train an entire church for reaching young people. And even within this ministry, we have men mentoring young men and women mentoring young women. And it's incredible. We need that. We need that. We need the next generation mentored for Jesus Christ. What I want to share with you today is, is a call to that. Now, the as we speak specifically celebrating Rangers, we know that Rangers in the United States is dealing with young men. And I'm going to speak to our young men today and to our gold medalists. Congratulations again. But this is for all of us. So don't feel left out. You know, let God speak to all of us through this. And if it's not dealing with you directly, then you pray that the Lord gives you direction for who you need to be sharing with. Is that okay? But we are in a time and a day and an age where men are quickly losing their place. And I'm not talking a chauvinistic type. I'm talking purposely being removed from the place God intended for them to fill. Purposely surrendering their place of leadership, of, of godly manhood. And ministries like Royal Rangers is so important because it is the men of God who are, who are being charged and equipped to, to mentor the next generation, to call out what God intended men to be. And we need ministries like this because we need the men of God to rise up again. And I, I felt like the Lord wanted me to share this morning just a message to call out, wake up the mighty men. Now, you've got your Bibles to Joel chapter 3. We'll be there in just a moment. As I've, I've journeyed on this, we realize there's a lot of difference between men and women. And statistics tell us that women typically live 10 years longer than men. That's the average right now. Why? Well... Roll that next slide. This is why women live longer than men. You're talking about repelling from the church. Here, here we go. I love this one. This is a, this got to be a ranger right here. You know, he's got the bow and the arrow in him at the hospital. Why women live long? This is another one for all you car junkies. Ah, this is great. And this is an officer. You know, this is someone who said, why women live longer than men? Stuff like that. Oh, that's a good one there, too. College age. He's, he's decided he can fly. There is a pool down underneath. But if you think that's going to help, you are gravely mistaken. Roll that next one. There we go. Why women live longer? I, when I was looking, uh, there were all kinds. My favorite is of the, of the police officer sitting back on his gun like that. <laughs> I'm like, well, yeah. Some y'all, you didn't grow up with boys in a home. Yeah. I grew up, we had three boys in our house. There were no girls. You understand, by the grace of God, we're still here. <laughs> 
We find ways to do stuff. But even in our foolishness, shall we say, you know, even in our camp house, my goodness, why does rangers work? We teach them to throw axes, and we teach them to start fires, and, and we could just go down the list. But it works because, you know what, we may not have a lot of brain cells at times, but we like adventure. We like, we like to live on the edge sometimes. And, and God designed in us a, a desire for adventure. And sometimes our common sense uh, lags behind our desire for adventure. <laughs> like, you know, when you, when you strap your little brother into the wagon and send him down the hill because this will be fun. And then you learn another scripture of spare the rod, spoil the child. Praise the Lord. But when you look at our society today, and, and, and even, you know, the, the, we can laugh and have a good time. The, we realize, though, that the spirit of adventure that God designed in men is being squelched. It's being uh, categorized as toxic masculinity. There's a reason God put a heart of excitement and a heart of adventure in men because he had a plan and a purpose for him, them in his kingdom. It's a plan for us. And men of God, it's not toxic except to the enemy's plans. He's trying to weaken the, the image of God that was put inside every man. You, you see it on the TV. When you watch any of these sitcoms or anything going on, if there's a buffoon in the family, it's the dad. Some of the top programs today, they, they make the father to be an absolute moron. And it's not by accident. It is time for the church to call out the men of God, and prepare for the days that we are in. In Joel, we read the last days and the proclamations that God's given to the prophet Joel. In Joel chapter 2, we read about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But in Joel chapter 3, he's telling his people to prepare for those last days. And in Joel chapter 3, verse 9 and 10, this, I love what he's saying. And it's so important for us to hear. He says, proclaim this among the nations. Prepare for war. We are in a battle for the soul of our family. We are in the battle for, for the kingdom of God everywhere around us. We're not fighting the, 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 the people that we face, but our weapons, uh, the weapons of our warfare, the Bible says, aren't carnal, but are, are, are mighty. They're spiritual mighty for the pulling down of strongholds we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against powers and principalities we are in a war and this is what the prophet is saying as we approach these last days prepare for war wake up the mighty men let all the men of war draw near let them come up Beat your plowshares into swords, your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am strong. The Spirit of God is calling out to the men of God, I believe like never before in these last days, to wake up and prepare for war. 
to not just idly sit by and let the enemy steal our families, steal our homes, steal our churches, steal our communities. He is calling us to rise up again as men of God and be counted for something. To take up arms and prepare in these last days. Verse 11, it says, Come quickly, all you nations everywhere, gather together in the valley, and now, O Lord, call out your warriors. This call is going around the world for the warriors to stand up and be prepared to face the enemy. I, I love in the in new, uh, new Living Translation, it says this. It says, to the nations far and wide, get ready for war. Call out your best warriors. Let all your fighting men advance for the attack. Hammer your plowshares into swords, your pruning hooks into spears. Train even your weaklings to be warriors. No one left out. We need the men of God to step up into the place of faith. Faith means guts. Faith means walking on the water. Faith means killing a giant with a sling and a stone. Faith means marching head held high into the fiery furnace because you're the only one who refused to compromise. Faith means guts. And faith moves the hand of God. We need a, a resurgence of faith again that will lead our churches, will lead our families into this battle. Don't get me wrong, I, I am thankful for the women of God that have held it together. I'm telling you, moms and grandmas and others who have, they're the prayer warriors. They have... They have gone to battle and fight. But I also apologize because we put you in a place you were never called to lead. You were called to, you've been carrying a, I'll just be honest. You've been carrying a weight alone that was never God's plan. And if it hadn't been for the mamas and the grandmas and those that were praying and fighting, man, the church would be a mess. <laughs> Most of us would have never made it. And I don't negate that at all. We need that. But this was a battle they weren't called to fight on their own. We need the men of God to step up into their place. If we had the strength of those Mighty women of God who have led the battle for so many years, coupled with the strength of men of God who take their place as men of God in the church. Can you imagine the unstoppable army we would have? I look at our, our family, and I'm thankful, man, for a praying grandma, both sides, praying mama. But I look at our ministry, and, and I grew up in a pastor's home. You know, I'm a pastor's kid, grandkid, great-grandkid. I've been around this a little bit, a long time. One of those, I'm under the pew kid, you know. Before they had nurseries, they put out on a blanket, they raised you under the pew. And there was strength when, when mama prayed, when grandma prayed. And I, 
But boy, when mom and dad come together in agreement on something, as a team, man, nothing going to stop them. What is it going to take to see the men of God rise up and the church be the unified force he's called us to be? Quickly, I want to look at the story of Gideon and one of the mighty men that God called out and what it says to us. And I'm, I mean it, it'd be quick because I'm getting hungry too. Some of y'all are like, this do take forever. It won't be long. In, Gideon, or in Judges chapter 6, we read the story of Gideon. This is a terrible time in the nation of Israel. They're, they're, they're under attack. This, this prophet, supposedly, of God is hiding. You read the first few chapters, uh, verses 1 through, through 10. For time, I won't, I won't read them, but it gives the history of what's going on in Israel. The people of God had turned their backs on God again, and God is looking for a champion. And the angel of the Lord, it says in verse 11, came and sat beneath the great tree at Orpha, which belonged to Joash, the clan of Abizar. Gideon, the son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Now let's, let's just be honest. When we look at, at what society is trying to paint today, we don't see a lot of heroes And at times we see more the hiding because we're afraid the enemy may come after us. We don't have much hope. Not here, but other churches. Maybe you've experienced this in your family. You think, well, you know, yes, we need men of God, but you don't know the men that I know. We need to be reminded that God sees different. This mighty hero was not a mighty hero in the world's eyes. And maybe you're sitting here today and, and, and you you thinking, man, that sounds great, but that's not me. Or maybe you got folks in your family, you praying for the salvation of a husband, of a son. Other men in your family, you think that's just not them. Don't give up. Because in God's story, where someone starts is never where they end. This mighty hero we find hiding from the enemy. And the angel of the Lord spoke to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Here's the first thing. As we, as we hear the call to wake up the mighty men, as we, as we respond to God's call, and, and the enemy, I think, has come to so many of us, and, and you just can't do it. And you just, you're just not your place. You're, you're not strong enough. You don't have enough. And, and we've heard that voice for so many long, for so many years, for so long. We need to hear that God sees in you what you can't even see in yourself. This dude was hiding, but the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. He was from the smallest tribe of Israel, not counting the Levites, but the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Nothing about him screams mighty warrior. You know, there's, there's folks, we want to look at the Bible and we want to put ourselves in a hero, you know, these big, strong warriors and things like that. And I'd love to, too. You know, I, I could see myself as a big, strong warrior. But if I had an image, I would probably line more up with Gideon. Ain't, ain't a whole lot of me to scare nobody. 
Gideon doesn't even believe himself. But the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. I love this. Gideon, his response, when the, when the angel shows up and says, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Sir, Gideon responded, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened? Where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us out of Egypt, but now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites? The, the angel of the Lord shows up and says, Mighty warrior. And Gideon says, I don't know who you're talking to, but it ain't here. God is trying to speak his purpose and his destiny over you. And maybe what you need to hear today is you may not look like it, you may not feel like it, the circumstances that surround you may not be screaming victory, but God sees your end from the beginning. And God has destined you to be a mighty warrior. God has called you into his kingdom. He has empowered you through his Holy Spirit. And even if you, you can't see it now, he sees in you what he has put in you, and he is calling it out he's calling out destiny that you can't see that you can't understand he's calling out purpose hear the voice of God over the voice of the enemy mighty warrior the Lord is with you the other thing I see is God is more interested in you than he is in your excuses we all got excuses why we can't do what God's called us to do. And Gideon went right into it. Well, uh, the Lord, uh, but Lord Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? It says in verse 15, my clan is the weakest of the whole tribe of Manasseh. I am the least of my entire family. He just went down the list. He knew every reason why God couldn't use him. And isn't it wonderful that God didn't even reply to his excuses? He said, I will be with you and will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. God, he didn't care about the excuses. His destiny for your life are bigger than the excuses you could come up with to get out of it. You look throughout the scripture, some of the greatest heroes God chose, they had excuses why they were the wrong person. Moses, I love it, man. He argued with God. Face to face, argued with God. Dude, you got the wrong one. I'm a stutterer. I'm a... God said, I've got, I've got this. I've called you. God isn't concerned about your excuses. He wants you. He knows the shortcomings. He knows the, what, what, the, what you are trying to use as an excuse. As a matter of fact, he said it's the weak things that bring him glory and bring him honor. Maybe that very excuse you're giving for why you can't serve God in the fullness of what he's called you to do is the very purpose, the, the very thing he allowed in, in you to show his glory through you. Because everyone else, if we had the ability and we look good and, and charm and charisma, then we could pass it off as our own ability. But there's times when we look and say, God, this task is not of me. He says, good, then I'll get all the glory. You may say, I'm too young. Josiah was king at age eight and changed the nation. But I'm too old. Caleb at 85 said, give me my mountain. But I come from a bad family life. Joseph's family put the fun in dysfunctional. 
and God still used him. But I'm not qualified. David was a runt, a shepherd keeper that became king. But I'm the only Christian among my friends. Tell that to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The only one in an entire nation that didn't compromise. But they weren't alone because Jesus stood with them. I failed too many times. Abraham, Samson, Jonah, Peter, and the list goes on. They failed, but they found grace and restoration. And the purpose of God was not cut short simply because... They blew it. But I'm not smart enough. Peter and John. They said they weren't learned men, but they mesmerized the religious leaders because they knew they'd been with Jesus. I have learning disabilities. Moses, uh, history tells us, had a speech impediment. But he became the spokesperson for God. I don't have much to give. The little boy with five loaves and two fishes in Jesus' hands became a proper Pentecostal buffet. You say, well, the old gray mare just ain't what he used to be. Lazarus was dead, but he came back to life to show the glory of God. When God says, I'll be with you, he means it. When God speaks something over you, his call is without repentance. He doesn't need your excuses. He doesn't need to hear why not. Don't let the enemy speak that in, but just hear the voice of God. I am with you. And if I've called you, I will bring you through. Gideon had to be reminded that God was bigger than his excuses. As I read this, the, I love, not only do we see that God sees in us more than we see in ourselves, not only is God bigger than our excuses, but here's the reality for where we are. God promised us the very same thing he promised to Gideon, to Joshua, to the disciples, and to many, many more. I am with you. The Lord said to him, I will be with you. If there was ever a cause for the men of God to rise up, it's the promise that you don't stand alone. But God is with you. Young men, you are going to face times when you feel like you're the only one standing up for the principles of God. You're not because God is with you. And if you will stand firm in the faith that you have been taught and been trained, God will do incredible things through you that you never dreamed possible. We need young men who are willing to stand against what the world says, against the, 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 the compromise and against the junk of the world, and say a young man can be a man of strength, of moral, of character, can be a man of God. And if you're willing, he'll stand with you. God has promised to be with you. We need the mighty men of God to be woken up, to take their place in the battle, but not alone, in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's a travel and we are itinerating Various churches we're, we're at, it's, we see, I see a sad trend where church and the things of God have become a convenience. And I see pastors who are discouraged because some of the most faithful, committed people, well, 
it's raining today, so I might just, I'll just watch online. Well, I got a, I got a roast I got to put in the oven, so maybe next week. Well, I can't, I can't teach because I'm going to step in it. We've been good, but I'm going to step in it. We need family time. My child's going to be a, a major league star, so we've got to get him to the little league. So many excuses that take us away from the family of God, that take us away from the call of God. When, if a man of God would step up in his home and say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Statistics say 90, I think it's up 95, 96% of the time, the family serves the Lord. Everyone says, well, you reach a child before the age of 12, which is great. I believe in children's ministry. I would not be doing this. But you want the most effective outreach for a family? It's reaching dad. That's statistics, not just church opinion. And we've bought into the world's excuses of of why we can't be committed, why we can't be a part, why we can't teach, why we can't mentor, why we can't go down the list. And and listen, it's, it's, it's just that. It's excuses. I learned a long time ago. Excuses are like armpits. Everybody's got a couple and they all stink. What we need is not... Men who have excuses why they can't. But in 1 Samuel chapter, 20, 10, chapter 10 verse 26, we need what God described here. He said, and Saul went up to Gibeah. This is after he's anointed king. And valiant men went with him whose hearts God had touched. We need a generation of men whose hearts God has touched whose hearts God has touched to realize that the greatest family time you can give your family is to be in the house of the Lord. A a, a band of men whose hearts have been touched to realize that the greatest uh, lifetime security you can give your children is, is not some dream of an MLB contract, but the fact that you train them young and you set them on a course to follow Jesus. Uh, 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 men whose hearts have been touched to know that, that God has called them to, to lead the family, to be the priest of the home, to, to, to pray over their spouse, to pray over their children, and to speak the blessing of God in that home, to be the first mentors that speak into their lives. Men of God whose, whose hearts he has touched to realize that there's a generation of young men crying out for hope, crying out for someone to believe in them, and they're not getting it from anywhere else, but they need the men of God they need the church to step up and begin to step into that role to be a father to the fatherless we need men whose hearts have been so touched by God that nothing will deter them from serving him nothing will turn them from leading their families to him nothing will steal their destiny men of God who allow their hearts to be broken for the things of God and empowered by the Spirit of God 
for the battle that lays before us. Why do we do this ministry? Why do we invest in young men? Because we look good in uniform? No, that's not only it. Because the medals look shiny. I mean, that's nice too. No, the heart of this ministry is we want a generation of young men to be raised up whose hearts have been touched by God. We want to lay first claim on their life and teach them that the greatest testimony a young man could have is that they served Jesus from the day they were young and never wasted one day chasing after the things of the world, but they gave their whole heart to him. We want to see a generation of dads and grandpas and, and uncles raised up who will lead their families to serve and follow God. But for that to happen, we need men of God. How long has it been since your heart has been touched by God? How long since you put yourself in a place to receive? How long since you put the excuses aside and just said, God, I may not look like much, I may not have much to offer, but if you'll use me, I'm yours. With every head bowed, every eye closed. Would you ask in just these moments, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me today? What are you teaching me today? Maybe God is calling you out from the wine press. And saying, mighty warrior, it's time to take your place. Maybe there's some of you here today, you've got a husband, a son, a grandchild that you've watched hide in the wine press. You've watched him run from God. And the word of the Lord from you, for you today is don't give up, he's not done. A prodigal may be running, but he can't outrun God. And the Holy Spirit is speaking to you today to continue to pray prayers of faith to prophetically call out what God has placed inside of them. If I can get personal in just a moment, I, I, I believe there's some that the Lord is speaking to your heart today that you're not the one that's going to change your husband. He is. So get off his back and get on your knees. And let the power of the Holy Spirit do what you cannot do in your power. You fought yourself to exhaustion. And you're wondering, Lord, I, I, just, I just can't. I, can't I, I don't have it in me anymore. I just can't do this. And God's saying, it's about time. Let me fight. When you take your hands off and surrender him to God, it's not, it's, it's not, a, it's not a thing of cowardice. It's not, you're not giving up. Matter of fact, you're fighting better than you've ever fought before. But you just need to leave him on the altar. Let God do what 
only God can do. I want to pray for our men here today, but before we get there, I just, I just feel something in my heart so deeply. Just, I believe the Holy Spirit spoke that so clearly. If that's you today and the Lord is dealing with you because you know whether it's, specifically, I believe your husband, you've been fighting <laughs> to, and, and, and you've been pushing and you've been doing all the struggle and you're just at the point of saying, I can't. I'm tired. And God is speaking to your heart today to say, you know what? Let me do the fighting. And you need to stand and surrender. And if that's you today, will you take a step of faith and, and just stand and say, Lord, I surrender them to you. I surrender them to you. Thank you. Thank you, God. I need some prayer warriors to come and stand with these, please. Anybody, but I, I, I want to invite anybody that feels led to pray, but especially if you've prayed this prayer through to your family and you've seen God move, you need to be standing with these because you fought that battle. Maybe there's some you're praying for your, for your sons. We're going to do some battle this morning. In the name of Jesus, I release you. This is not your battle. That in the physical, in, the, in, the, in your own ability, you have fought and it's just the battle belongs to the Lord. And I release in you a spirit of faith to move on the hearts of these individuals that God they're standing for. The Lord, as they surrender their family to you, as they, as they take a place of prayer and submission to say, God, what you've got to do, this is your battle to fight, that right now you would begin to move in the heavenlies and you would do battle on their behalf, that you would reach these spouses in the name of Jesus that have fought and are running. And God, I, I just pray right now you would arrest their spirits. I pray strength for the women of God who have, who have tried and they're just tired. They're just, they just they, they say, Lord, I can't do it. That in this moment they would find rest in their spirits to know that you are fighting on their behalf. That, that as, they, as they take their hands off and surrender to you, that God, they would find strength in their spirits as well. 
that in the time of prayer, as they are interceding for their family, for their spouse, for their loved one, that they would find such sweet presence of God in those places, in that battle, that the Holy Spirit would be refreshing to them, that you are going before them and you are moving, and that, God, there would be uh, tangible results. They would begin to see that the breakthrough that comes. And I pray right now encouragement because as they surrender and God begins to move, the enemy is not going quietly. And when that, when that ugliness comes to rear its head, when the enemy tries to step in and, and grab a hold of what he thought was his, that, that so much more would rise up inside of them, the reminder that the roar of the enemy confirms the call of God. And though he may roar and he may try and fight and pitch a fit, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Greater is he that we serve than the one who's coming. He, he, he is like a roaring lion, but we serve the lion of the tribe of Judah. And he may kick and scream and pitch a fit, but in the end the battle and the victory belongs to the Lord. We declare now, Lord, we, we call this out even, even now as it's done even before we see the fruit even before we see the results we call it out now that you have declared salvation you have declared wholeness in these homes you have declared God that that those who are running from you the prodigals will come home in the name of Jesus we we just speak in faith God restoration in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus.